Apple goes to war in the course, a Bitcoin crackdown from the United States and China, and what are the top hedge fund positions as of late? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. And my oh my, it's Friday already. And what is going on with the markets? Well, today was kind of just a not so fun day in the markets. It was kind of muted. We had some upside in some specific areas, but overall, um, pretty much lacking of action. Taking a look at the overall markets, the Dow Jones finished up 123 points. Meanwhile, the NASDAQ and S&P 500 dropping just slightly, about half a percent. Um, and then the Rust 2K up. Slightly, just barely, up 7.51 points. Meanwhile, the VIX dropping 2.52%, hitting that 20 level once again. We'll see if it gets back down under 20 here in the near-term future. But overall, what is the biggest headline of the day? Well, Apple is stealing the show. Taking a look at how Apple's performed the day. I mean, it wasn't amazing. Stock finished down $1.88. CEO Tim Cook going the court, fighting off Epic Games. And there is a lot to dig into there. So we're going to get straight into that. So Apple CEO Tim Cook, um, he went in to court today and he faced some tough questioning, definitely. Um, but he went in and he laid down the law when it came to Apple's stance and what they believed. Um, on quote, he said, we can no longer make the promise of privacy, safety, and security if Epic Games prevails. Um, and then he went on to say, if Epic Games does prevail in this court case, it would create a toxic mess um, on quote in the app store so that is very interesting um, he also focused on competition he said there's a whole list of different handset competitors it's fiercely competitive he said that Apple's share is really um, not big right around 30% uh, he also went on to say internationally um, that the that share um, was 15% so for iPhone so it was pretty crazy that really Apple Apple is, yeah, they're a major player, but they're not nearly as big as what a lot of the estimates were implying in the past previous few years. And those are Apple, those are numbers directly from Apple. So they're kind of hard to argue with. Um, now, on the other front here, um, there was a lot of commentary today around this court case and what was going on. And Tim Cook, he faced some tough questions. Um, a lot of the questions that he was asked involved, you know, do you think, you know, you're a monopoly? Do you think that you are charging too much? Why did you lower um, the commission, in essence, to 15% for some people in the app store? I believe it's under people with a million dollars or less revenues um, on the app store. And really, Tim Cook said, you know, we did that because small businesses were struggling under COVID-19. That's what he said. Um, and they basically said, so it wasn't because you were being investigated um, for, you know, the usual antitrust monopoly bull crap. Um, so really what it comes down to is Tim Cook, he did a solid job today. He defended Apple and he made a strong case in my opinion. Um, and I am on the side of Apple, so I'm somewhat bias. Um, I've said it in the previous episodes, and I'll say it again. This is not a monopolistic thing to do for Apple to charge a 30% commission on all in-app transactions for apps on their app store. First off, it's going to fend off developers who are just trying to make a quick buck. It's going to bring in 
quality. And not only that, but it's very similar. What Apple does by charging customers for using the App Store, um, accessing their massive user base, is very similar to what Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter all do when they sell, for instance, ads to customers. Um, and really, they all these companies are charging customers for access to their user base. Um, so I find it slightly ridiculous that Epic Games is going after Apple here. What it really comes down to, in my opinion, is app is you know these companies that support Epic Games and Epic Games themselves are just in it because they want a little more profit. Um, and I frankly see that as greedy um, and a terrible reason to go the court. I think it shows the quality of each company. Meanwhile, Apple is attempting to protect users um, by this basically promoting this high commission rate. They are trying to bring in quality apps. Um, they vet all of their apps. And I'm sure, and I understand the argument here that, yeah, if you lower that 30% um, to say one, two, three percent what you are going to get is a huge volume of apps attempting to get into the app store. And Apple is not going to be able to vet properly all of the apps that come in. Now, yes, a few bad actors do get in throughout the system um, and into the app store. And it happens, you know, time and time again with every company. Systems fail. But Apple's system has been pretty darn good. And Apple is fighting for the privacy of the people. So I frankly find it ridiculous what is happening here with Epic Games. And a perfect example is Snapchat. So today, uh, Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel um, was on CNBC. In an inter interview, he said, quote, we're happy to do it in exchange for all of the amazing technology that they provide to us in terms of software, but also in terms of their hardware advancements. And that was directly on. That was a response to a question asking Spiegel if he would, if he, what he felt, um, in essence, about the 30% commission on in-app transactions. He said, quote, we are happy to do it in exchange for all of the amazing technology that they provide us. Um, so I frankly find it you know, to be the point. And then in later into in that interview, he said Snapchat wouldn't even exist if it were not for Apple in the app store. Um, so that was the core reason as to why he was fine paying the 30%. And that shows the sheer strength of Apple's user base, the size of Apple's user base and the amount of people who use an iPhone. So Apple, I believe, is properly charging this 30% commission to get access to their extremely valuable iPhone user base. Um, and you know, the App Store expands their entire ecosystem. So it's not just about iPhone. It's also about iPad, Mac, etc. I mean, the list goes on and on. So when it comes down to it, you have to pick a side here. Um, if you are an investor, are you going to buy Apple? Are you going to fight for Apple? Are you going to really invest on the side of Apple? Or are you going to be in favor more of Epic Games? And if you are in favor of Epic Games, I don't know why in the world you'd be holding Apple stock because if Epic Games gets their way, Apple, they could see a significant decrease in revenues, in business, and that is not something we want to see, um, and I don't believe you will see it. I think the court does side with Apple because they will see that this is not a monopolistic policy. This is simply Apple protecting users, getting their fair share of the cut of profits being made from, honestly, probably one of the most important and strongest user bases currently available in the technology world. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have to talk about a few of them. And the first one we're going to talk about is City raising their price target on Boeing the $240 from 200 
hundred. Now, City overall said they expect a lot of volatility. In fact, they said, quote, our target price of $240 gives us some upside, but expect lots of volatility. The high 2021 debt level will tend to lead to undervaluing of shares. 2022 and 2023 cash flow will tend to lead to overvaluing of shares. We believe investors need to look through both near-term negatives and medium-term positives. I agree with what City is saying here, but what I will say is that I don't think you should just ignore those medium-term positives because Boeing is a comeback play. I've said it time and time again. It is an underdog. They have had an insane amount of issues, multiple crises, throughout the past four years. And the company is just getting back on its feet. This is a massive company, one of the largest companies in the world. And it's going to take time for them to get all the kinks worked out and to get them back to firing on all cylinders. And every time a company puts an order through for new airlines, especially mega airlines, um, such as United and American, um, every time one of those orders goes through, it should be seen as a sign of confidence in Boeing in the growing confidence that is building for the company. They have issues. Definitely. We've heard of them throughout the past few weeks, but I believe, and we've seen that they are starting to get everything back together. And it's going to be a long-term investment for me. Boeing is a long-term investment position, but they are working on it. That's what I like to see. And I think it could be a very profitable comeback um, given Boeing's past success. Now, shifting into a few other names, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer reiterated its outperform rating on NVIDIA. I like this. You take a look at NVIDIA and this company is truly changing the game. I wouldn't even call them just a straight up semiconductor. I'd call them almost a semiconductor software play. They are starting to develop very successful software as well to go along with their chips and their products. And I like to see it. Semiconductors are going to continue to be in high demand. They're getting in on the self-driving vehicle plays, which I love the electric vehicle plays, which I believe is going to be very successful. So NVIDIA, excellent name, excellent management. And I believe it is definitely one own for the long term. Plus we got news today of a four for one split over there on NVIDIA. So it could be a buying opportunity coming up on the stock for those of you who like lowest cost basis names. Now, JP Morgan reiterated Honeywell as a top pick. And I like this. Honeywell goes right in lockstep with Boeing. Honeywell is an excellent company. They get a lot of business from Boeing, but not only that, but they have a lot of business outside of Boeing. That's also very successful. And what I like most about Honeywell right now is not anything company specific. It's sector specific. It's an industrial. It's a statistical. It follows the economy. And I believe the economy is going to continue to recover and a lot of others do as well. And on top of this, industrials tend to do quite well under times of high inflation. And inflation continues to move to the upside, which we are seeing. I mean, if those fears continue to grow on top of an economic reopening and economic comeback, what you are going to see is the industrials continue to move to the upside. And I think Honeywell, with their excellent management team, a solid dividend, um, and, you know, honestly, just a great business and past, I believe that Honeywell is going to be one of those names that you see continuing to move to the upside in the future. Now we have to shift into Bitcoin. And before I even speak anything about Bitcoin on this episode today, I do want to say 
as I said in the previous episode, full disclosure, I sold my Bitcoin position. Now, if you're wondering why, I've explained it multiple times and I'll say it again. I simply lost my conviction in Bitcoin. I think that the next few months could be very tough for Bitcoin. I think regulatory fears are going to kind of take a grip here, possibly for the next few months, if not year. Um, And on top of that, on top of those things that we are seeing, it just seems to be getting even more volatile. It's trading on tweets um, and popular people's tweets, such as Elon Musk. And I do not like that. I like to invest in something that fundamentally has strong backing. And I don't see that at the moment for Bitcoin. I am not willing to sit back and take on the risk with my capital to see how Bitcoin plays out. I'm simply not. Because honestly, if you look at Bitcoin right now and the social sentiment behind it, everyone has a different opinion on what Bitcoin is and what it will become. Some people think you're going to go to McDonald's and buy your Big Mac with Bitcoin. Meanwhile, other people believe it's just a digital gold. I believe it's a digital gold. I believe that it is going to be, in essence, a digital version of gold, a value-storing asset in the digital realm. Um, that is what I truly believe it will be. But until it becomes that, and until volatility decreases, I'm simply not willing to risk capital, and that capital could go into better investments in my portfolio. So I sold the position. It wasn't huge. It was 2%. But as I just noted, my long-term outlook on Bitcoin is positive. I believe it is going to be something of the future. I truly do. I am positive on Bitcoin, but I am not willing to take the risk at the current moment in the current year on Bitcoin and trying to figure out what in the world people are going to say about it in the next five months, because obviously sediment is affecting Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency markets quite a bit right now, and I frankly do not like trading something. For instance, it seems very GameStop to me. It seems very AMC-like to me. Something that is being, you know, moved not on fundamentals, but social sentiment, and I do not like that. Now, if we go into the regulation side of Bitcoin, there's really nothing at the moment. In fact, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin um, are not even considered or ruled over right now by the SEC, but our government is now pushing for that. We saw that headline last night, the government pushing for regulation and higher taxes on cryptocurrencies, and that includes Bitcoin. Now, today, Chinese Vice Premier Li He, um, in essence, called on a Bitcoin crackdown. He said, unquote, it is necessary to maintain the smooth operation of the stock debt in foreign exchange markets, severely crack down on illegal securities activities, and severely punish illegal financial activities. So is China here implying that they see this Bitcoin mining and this whole Bitcoin currency as illegal? I don't know. It kind of seems like that. So Bitcoin tumbling on this news today, not performing the best um, and China going after them. And as we know, a lot of Bitcoin mining is currently being done in China. So that could have major effects on Bitcoin's future. Um, it's definitely something to note. So overall, my long-term outlook on Bitcoin is positive, but I see a lot of risk that I'm simply not willing to hold through. And I honestly think there's a lot of great companies that are much better and a much better long-term investment at the moment with way less risk than Bitcoin. And that's what I like. For instance, you look at uh, Disney. It's an excellent company, a great management team. They continue to grow. They're a recovery play. 
And not only that, but their Disney Plus service and their streaming game is expanding to the upside drastically. Now, yes, they saw a slowdown in the previous quarter, but Netflix and all the other streaming companies saw that as well. It was because of the reopening of the country and everyone is now going out and wanting to do things. But do you really think people are going to stop streaming? I mean, look at Netflix. No, they're not. It is not a stay-at-home play. The streaming space is one of the future, and Disney is going to continue to grow in that space, and I believe it becomes a significant part of Disney, and I see that as a much better investment than I do Bitcoin at the moment, and that's just an example. You see Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon, all at prices that they were at a few months ago. They're flat. They haven't been performing the best, and that is when you want to buy. I take a look at an Amazon that's been flat for nearly 12 months. I mean, that name, Amazon, is a company of the future. They continue to be one of the best um, companies in the United States, in the world. They deliver an excellent service, very low risk. Um, So, you know, another company that you could take money out of Bitcoin, you could take your invested capital out of Bitcoin, throw it in Amazon. And if you listen to Bitcoin investors right now, they are selling. They're selling and going to cash. They believe that there's going to be a storm on the way, that a storm is starting for Bitcoin. And if the United States, China, and all of these other governments go after it, I do believe that you could see significant downside, not only in Bitcoin, but the cryptocurrency markets. Now, shifting into hedge funds, we have to talk about them. They are a huge part of the market. Goldman Sachs today releasing basically a list of the top hedge fund positions or the most popular top hedge fund positions um, going through Goldman Sachs. So taking a look at the data, Facebook came out as the number one winner here um, in the most recent quarter. Facebook amongst the top 10 holdings in 90 four different hedge funds. Um, And honestly, this surprised me at first, I'll be honest. But then I thought about it and I took a look at the valuation of Facebook. I took a look at Facebook and you know, Facebook is the king of social media. They also own Instagram and a few other major social media assets. And when it comes to the company, the management has been solid. Um, Regulation risk have pretty much, uh, they've I haven't heard much about regulation people in the past few months here. Maybe those risks are starting to dissipate now that all the political um, party and all the bullcrap politics is starting to die down after the elections. Um, Maybe, just maybe what we are seeing here is a Facebook comeback and they continue to deliver, deliver strong earnings numbers. In the previous quarter, those earnings numbers were fantastic. So at the end of the day, Facebook is a very strong company and they're trading at a reasonable valuation. And the Fang love continues here, or the Famang, uh, with Microsoft in second place here. Uh, the top 10 holdings is in the top 10 holdings of 86 hedge funds, number two. Um, and Microsoft is one of the best companies in the world. It's one of the best well-run companies in the United States and the world. Um, They continue to grow at a consistent rate. Management is excellent. Um, The financials behind Microsoft are strong, um, and Microsoft just continues to innovate. And then Amazon coming in third, Alphabet fourth, Alibaba fifth, Visa sixth, MasterCard seventh, Apple eighth, um, Alexaron Pharmaceuticals in ninth, and then CLTD, a favorite of the growth investors coming out in 10th 
place. So overall, I mean, just solid names in that top 10 um, names are that are most popular amongst hedge funds. Now, it did surprise me also that Apple is all the way down seventh place. But then you think about what Apple is going through right now with the courts and all the all of these lawsuits calling them a monopoly. And I do think Apple beats them, but in all likelihood, it's not going to be too positive for the stock. But this could prevent a buying opportunity for you as investors. As Apple stock goes down on these regulation risk, on these monopoly risk that frankly, I don't believe are going to facilitate to any sort of policy. Um, it could be an amazing opportunity to get in on one of the best companies in the world at a reasonable price. So definitely one to check out. CLTD is another one of those companies that's growing extremely fast. They are expanding the upside. Management over there is also great. Definitely a name to dig into. Now, taking a look at the broader markets today, because we always do before we round out the show, what we saw was really just a lot of muted action. We saw all those fangs trade down about 1% to 2%. We saw the semiconductors very mixed with an NVIDIA and Intel both up, but a Qualcomm, AMD, and Taiwan Semi all down. Um, we took a look at the financials also, and you'll see that JP Morgan, City, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all trading in the green, which we like to see, but FinTech continuing to pull back with Square falling a few percent today, all the way down to 200 once again, with PayPal coming down to just about 250. If it breaks below 250, PayPal could be a steal at those prices. If we take a look, basic materials took a hit today, but industrials continue to move mainly to the upside. And then that consumer statistical names, the McDonald's, the Starbucks, the Home Depot, the Alibaba is even in there. The Walmart, the Procter & Gamble, Target, Costco, all of these names moving really in a mixed manner, kind of flat. And really across the board, what you can do is you can generalize today, and I would say the past few weeks, as very, very choppy action. And that choppy action, as we have said in previous episodes, presents great opportunities. This week, I was offered an opportunity to add to Boeing. The stock tumbled all the way down to nearly 170. Um, I picked some up there. It was a steal, in my opinion. Um, and I'm going to continue to build a position in Disney if it continues to move to the downside, but I don't believe it will. Same with Boeing. Finally starting to get to a lower price point. That is a solid one to take a look at. I believe Amazon is a buy here. Google is a buy here. Facebook is a buy. Apple, a buy. Taiwan Semi, a buy. I mean, the list goes on and on of names that I believe you can buy here um, that are presenting long-term great opportunities. For instance, a Qualcomm or an AMD or a Taiwan Semi or NVIDIA or Texas Instruments, all of those names are trading at reasonable prices. Um, so definitely so many opportunities in this market. Walmart just delivered solid numbers. Stock's pretty much done nothing. Go check it out. Costco, same way. Target, an excellent company, not trading the best. Go check it out. Home Depot, a remarkable company. If you take a look at Home Depot right now, the stock just isn't getting the love after delivering very, very strong earnings numbers, way off those highs of over 340. So, so many deals in this market. Dig through the watch list. Dig through the names that are always on your mind, that are fundamentally strong, that have great financials, a solid management team, and go along those names as the deals are being presented because you don't make profits in this market by buying at all-time highs. The profit comes in buying the dips if you're on the bull side, in buying the quality when it is down, when it is hated, and holding it until it is loved and then selling it. That is where 
the money is made. And if you're on the bear side, you're shorting these names down. And then when the bottom starts to form, you're dumping and you're waiting for the next downfall. So overall, this market presenting a lot of opportunities. I believe in both directions. We see the financials getting hot. We see the industrials getting hot. Could opportunity be presented in the financials, the materials, the industrials, and the energy soon? Who knows? Possibly if the Fed proves that inflation is transitory, I mean, it could drive down industrials and those inflation-friendly names very quickly if the Fed proves it's transitory, but they have not yet. And until then, we must assume and we must follow the evidence that this inflation is not transitory. It is here to stay, as many billionaire investors and hedge funds have said as well, as well as the major banks across the world. This was another episode of the Running With The Money podcast, Eat, Sleep, Profit, Trade On, and I will see you on Monday to talk to markets once again and to talk about individual companies as well. We didn't cover an individual today, but we will cover an individual company on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week. Thank you for listening and see you then.